The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that there are three armadillos in the NFL? They're not three separate players, though, just one that's all three stacked on top of each other, which is why <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick has had to switch teams so many times. The other players get suspicious when he refuses to shower with them and only eats bugs. <laughs> I didn't know that. By the way, the three arm- armadillos, <laughs> the three armadillos that are Ryan Fitzpatrick, check out our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those armadillos are probably loaded. Well, but I assume their names are Ryan Fitz and Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> that way, none of them accidentally answer the wrong name. <laughs> For more armadillo facts, and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, and check out our other podcasts. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Armadillo Podcasting Club. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there. Welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're talking about chapters 25 through 28 of Crossroads of Twilight, book 10 of The Wheel of Time. Previously, after a long day in the fighting sister pits, Egwene gets some magic shut-eye where she checks in with her Camelon crew and does some dream channel surfing. Also, Anaya gets murdered, so Egwene puts Nisao on the case. Alviarin returns to the White Tower to find she's lost her leverage and Elida is looking for some vengeance. She uses the Page of Legends to call on her big bad patron, but Masana has a close encounter with everyone's favorite giant Mirdral, and it gets real tortury. So Alviarin's working direct for the Dark One now. Uh, hope that works out for her. Uh, we also learned that the White Tower is moving toward a collaboration with the Black Tower, just like the Little Tower is. And we finish up with Rand's crew laying low near Tyr. He has a huddle with Loghain and Bashir where he learns about the Black Tower bonding Aes Sedai, and he decides he's going to send some emissaries to buddy up with the new evil slavers in town, which I guess we're supposed to be fine with. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole lot of making friends with the Sean Chan going on, and I do not like it. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I had a feeling it was going to go this way, and I just, I, I, uh, I'm not okay with it yet. Um, I'm, I'm going to trust that Robert Jordan's going to they're going to guide me to that uh, being okay with it feeling, but uh, not there yet. Yeah. Chapter 25. Still, sorry. Still <laughs> fuck the Sean Chan. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 25. When to wear jewels. Icon of the Sean Chan. So Perrin has gotten himself all lorded up in nice clothing, and he's headed to an important meeting. It has now been 32 days. Since Fayil was taken. He also got a map of Malden, which, if I'm being honest, does not strike me as particularly useful. Like, on the list of obstacles to Perrin rescuing Fayil, getting lost in the ruins of the city that the Shido mostly burned to the ground probably isn't even in the top five, you know? <laughs> He's like, we'll yeah. have this map of Malden if we get there. Yeah, it seems, I mean, maybe Robert Jordan's going to surprise me, but this seems like another one of those... What's Perrin going to do? Is he going to charge in there at the head of various armies and chop all these Aiel into little kibbles? Well, yeah. Probably. Right? Yeah. He <laughs> he, he's not, a, he's not a, a grand strategist like Matt is, and he's not a murder wizard like like Rand is. So his tricks are, you know, just chop guys up into kibbles. Right, yeah. And, and right now his problem kibbles. is that he doesn't have enough people 
to help him do the kibble chopping, but he's going to find some people and then it's kibble chopping time. I That's what I assume. That's the direction we're going. Yeah. He's got to feed those wolves somehow. He's on the outs right now. So the nerves are fraying in his, uh, you know, alliance, his little army, because supplies are running low and it's been a whole long time since Fail and, you know, the queen of Gaelden was taken. Yeah. So they're going to go grocery shopping. <laughs> yeah. They they travel over to a nearby well-defended village that Masima hasn't managed to burn to the ground yet. And uh, that's why they're all dressed up fancy to impress them. I love that uh, Balwar asked to tag along because he has a friend in town who's a cutler. <laughs> 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 yeah. At that point, Perrin thinks to himself, maybe there's more to Balwar than he lets on. I'm like, yeah? You think yeah, so, buddy? Finally. You think so? Finally. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is the thing that tips the scales when Balwar's like, I have a cutler friend, and Perrin's like, why would a secretary know a cutler? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, you know how hard it is to find some good forks? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, right? Uh, if if you're a good secretary, then you, can, you have connections to get all kinds of sundry items, I imagine. Yeah. So they travel to Sohabor. And uh, along with some Aes Sedai and Bear Lane and the most impressive stuff they've got. And Nialt is in a really good mood, inexplicably, but we know why, right? Like, he, it, this is post-cleansing, so yeah. he's just stoked about that. I would mark this as as a Robert Jordan annoyance, where, yeah, we know why he's happy, but parents like, why is that guy so happy? I bet he's crazy. <laughs> but no, he's just happy because, you know, he's not crazy. He's not, yeah, he's like, oh, I can channel and not, you know. There's no reason for him not to tell Perrin this. Mm -mm. That's what I was wondering. Like, have they not had a conversation at any point? Has he just not had the opportunity to tell Perrin? Does he think that Perrin wouldn't want to know? Because I think Perrin would want to know. Right, you know? I don't know. And nobody asks him why he's acting so funny. They're just like, he's probably crazy, guys. But whatevs. (laughs) There is one thing. They see a Sean Chan scout, and that would led me to wonder if maybe there was some, like, ambush set up here, but... Yeah, I don't know. There's just Sean Chan floating around, I suppose. Yeah, well, I think the the Sean Chan are getting close to this area mm. as they mm-hmm. as they you know colonize. Right. Mm-hmm. Chapter twenty six in Sohabor, icon of the dark friend birds. So they get to Sohabor, and it is not okay. Yeah, Perrin's spidey sense is going off like alarm bells. He's like, something is wrong here. This is. Very, very bad. This was yeah. some great writing. There was so much tension. I was so freaked out this entire time. Like, I was physically tense while I was reading these chapters. Yeah, it's like, Robert Jordan's like, oh, you're bored with my book? Would you like some horror? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there's some, like, this is real, you know? I lo- they, get to, they, they get to the town, and the, the guard at the front gate asks if they're alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, are you alive? And they're like... I, I, yes. Are you not? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. This is, this, this whole thing is like troubling. Oh yeah. yeah. And they, they, they go into the city. I wouldn't have gone into the city, right? You know, we'll, we'll yeah, catch right. the next town, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this is like a hundred percent nope from like the, the moment they, they step foot in here, like all the way through. It's just nope, nope, nope. Yeah. The, the city is filthy. All the people are filthy and they're like, literally the people run away when they see them. Um, it stinks super bad. And, you know, of course, Perrin can double smell that because he's good at smelling. Yeah. And they go, finally, they find some merchants because they're there to buy grain, right? Their their army's running out of food. Mm-hmm. And these merchants are really, really sketchy, just sort of sitting, drinking at an inn. 
Uh, nobody will tell them what's going on with this town. I was like 90% sure that they were cannibals or dark friends or both. I mean, like these guys were like dirty. Like We know how Robert Jordan feels about dirty innkeepers. The innkeeper in this inn had like uh-huh. a, filthy, a <laughs> filthy apron and like dirty hands. I was like, these are dark friends. Yeah. <laughs> you watch out with these. Yeah, they they managed to do a deal for some grain, um, but they try and screw him over by showing him some good grain. And Perrin, with his, you know, country blacksmith wisdom, demands to see the warehouses. Yeah. There's a moment when they get to the warehouses and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't go in because we don't have anyone to to lift this uh, super heavy bar. And <laughs> he just like, his muscles ripple musclingly as he lifts the bar in present. Right, yeah. And they're like, oh shit. Strong man Perrin. Uh, though I was kind of thinking like, they got three Aes Sedai right there. Yeah, they could have. <laughs> yeah, but... You know, Perrin likes to show off. You know it <laughs> it's is. true. Like, oh, finally, I get to do something I'm good at. Yeah. Um, I liked throughout this whole chapter, there's this new guy, Kirayan, who's just sort of a, a jerk, like a noble jerk, who's one of the Gaeldinian, I think. And, yeah. and he's all like acting like I'm too good for this. And I hate taking orders from these, you know, lowborn folk. And they, the merchants offer all of the party some wine and nobody drinks it because this place is bad news except yes. Karan. And he like chokes it. <laughs> and then he asks for more. <laughs> He's like, uno mas. <laughs> Karan, I mean, party. you know, like, I guess he's the canary in the coal mine, right? Yeah, so, right. Uh, you, you need a guy like that. You know, you need a guy in the adventuring party who drinks the wine or who, who steps onto the obviously trapped plate. <laughs> That's right. And just see what happens, right? Everyone's just like watching him and like, you're all right? How you feeling? You good? <laughs> yeah. All right, carry on. <laughs> so, anyway, the grain in the warehouse is ridden with weevils. The same thing that's been happening in a bunch of other places. I, when Perrin goes in there, he's like, I'm going to check these bags. He starts cutting open bags of grain. Is this like normal? I feel like he's just making a big old mess. Yeah, which... you can open bags without cutting them, Perrin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, he cut a big old slash and spilled grain everywhere. I was like, dude. Someone's got to clean that shit up. Are you paying for those bags? I mean, come on, man. I'm on his side. Like that's there. They were obviously it was going to be terrible, obviously. And then they're like, yeah. oh, well, we, we we can winnow it out for you for an additional fee. And Perrin's like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sure you're not dead. And then they see a good ghost. Yeah, that's right. Kirei. Yeah. Kirei and the guy who, who drinks the wine and sees the ghosts. Like. I just love it. All the bad shit happens to this one guy who's kind of a jerk. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's a dick, so it's going to happen to someone, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if it's connected to him drinking the wine, by the way. Well, the, so the, that's a, that is the thought, but I think one of the Aes Sedai who's with him, uh, maybe it's Shannon or, or sees it too. Yeah, I she think. sees it too. And so she's been off getting info about the town, and it turns out the dead walk in Sohabor. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why everybody's afraid all the time. And that's why we would have been correct in noping the fuck out of here before they even set foot in this town. This is not a place you want to be. Indeed, right? Like this is this is giving me some Shadow Logothy vibes. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. Is this another Shadow Logoth in the making? Like we don't. I, I guess we don't know, and maybe we never find out. Yeah, other than probably that, not. This place right? just sucks because that was all like xenophobia, right? <laughs> Well, there's something, some kind of corruption here for sure. Yeah. Well, here's 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 where my problem was. I said I wanted to stay and figure out what was going on and help those people. And Perrin says, no, because I might need you to find Fayil. I had a huge problem with that. 
No, Perrin's mm. Perrin's all edgy and 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 dark now. You know, yeah. he's like fuck everyone else. Fail for whatever reason is the most important thing in the world to me. <laughs> yeah, so these people are going to have to live in this horrendous like hor- village of horrors where nobody has bathed in weeks and the dead are walking among them. Okay, but that's cool. That's a, that's another thing, right? The dead walking, super scary. I get that. I'd be jumpy too, but I would still bathe. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you know ghosts, you can't bathe around ghosts because you never know if they're actually there and it would be super embarrassing to get naked in front of them. <laughs> that is that is a good point. That's a very good point. Every time they You're start You're just like to... taking a shower and then they like puke by on the corner. like, God damn it. <laughs> Stop looking. Uh, and a lot of times it's your grandma or something. Like, oh, come on. I can see your wiener. <laughs> Is that what Super ghosts sound like, Micah? I, I mean, did you not hear my ghost impression? It was flawless. <laughs> that was, I thought that was maybe a ghost in the room with Micah. Maybe maybe that voice only thing. appears on you the You never know. <laughs> I see your wiener. Um. <laughs> So chapter 27, what must be done, Icon of the Wolf. So Perrin is overseeing the winnowing and the loading of the grain because they're still buying grain from these people. Yeah, this this situation continues to be sketchy as fuck. Like, yes, there's this process that they're doing to, to clean everything. But like everyone involved is real shady. Everyone like the, the townsfolk are acting like they don't want to go back to the town. I was, I was like, someone's got to help these people. They, they're like, they're putting the, the help me please signs up and parents just like, Oh, sorry, we're busy here. Yeah. <laughs> right. We got shit to do. Just a blacksmith. Yeah. I'm not going to leave this ice and eye to help, even though they want to, you know, got to find my girl. Yep. Cause he's, uh, he's I, I, so intense. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, I, I bet it like, he's dark parent. Like now. he hasn't cut his hair and it's like falling down over one eye. <laughs> <laughs> probably he's wearing like eye makeup because he hasn't bathed so his eyes are darker but it's really just eye makeup <laughs> <laughs> and at at one point Perrin struggles to calculate whether the ratio of carts in to carts out is two to one because there's that much because well, yeah, they're, well, they're losing that much grain to the winnowing process but I, I would think that even a country blacksmith could do the the math on two to one <laughs> Look, there's a there's a lot of carts, you know, a lot of bags. <laughs> he he only has ten fingers, man, and it's not like he can take his boots off. <laughs> this is true. It's cold out there, and there's beetles. <laughs> <on the ground. laughs> That's right. So, uh, I, what, am I the only one who was like super interested in this winnowing process? Oh yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. This is more yeah. good description from Robert Jordan. This uh, winnowing is a normal process for uh, grain production. If you really want to know uh, that what you do, I imagined it would. Well, you you cut the grain and then you thresh it, which means you like hit it with sticks, which to to break mm-hmm. all the grain out of the shells. But then you have like a mix of the internal grain, the eatable edible part, and the uh, the shells and the grass and stuff. So then you winnow it. The chaff. To get rid of the, yeah, the chaff, and then you winnow it to get rid of the chaff. Which uh, I've actually never heard of this method where you throw it up in the air and let the wind blow it away. I've heard where you sift it through baskets. Because you know the the chaff is is smaller than the grains, and uh, and you winnow it like through successively smaller baskets to get all the stuff out. That's actually what I was expecting them to do. I was expecting like more of a sifting process. So when they had this process where they were letting the wind blow away the bugs, it was it was actually surprising to me. I wonder if that would even work. Yeah, I think so. Bugs are light, right? Yeah, I guess so. And, I guess the grains heavier. The grains pretty dense, but uh, I mean, yeah. In in the age of this third age, it did work. <laughs> 
This seems yeah. like something that Robert Jordan would have extensively studied. That's exactly what I was thinking. Is like when I read this, I was like, "This is a thing that this dude nerded out on and did some research oh, yeah. and mean, like wanted to share with us." Yeah, like I, one of the things I, I, I noticed was that they had the grain up on pallets inside the warehouse, which is an actual thing they would do for airflow, because they you want the grain to dry as much as possible, so you have like a the grain up on like a, a platform that lets air come in, and then you have the opens the tops of the building open so that the air is constantly drying it. Oh, interesting. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the detail's great. You know, this is not the first time that Robert Jordan has clearly done his homework. It's a really well fleshed yeah. out world. Very cool. So, Sienid, like you said, wants to stay, but uh, Perrin says no. And Balware wants to stay. And Perrin's like, yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, my friend's out and I want to wait for him. Totally normal. You're right. That's In fine. this town? Like, that, what is up with Balware? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, seriously, nobody wants to stay in this town. Sienid. I don't know what, I mean, like, maybe she thinks she can help, but Valor's just like, I want to hang out and wait for my friend. Dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the dead walking would be like, you know, item four or five on the list of things that he would report to Perrin. I would be like, dude, either your friend is dead or he is not coming back because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. would you come back to this town? This town? <laughs> so Perrin heads back to camp, and it turns out the maidens have captured some Shido finally. And the Gaeldinians and Masima, who's there, are busily torturing them. With hot coals. Yeah. Uh. And Perrin's like, dude, you started without me, man. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, he, he he storms in and interrupts their torture party, you know, Buzz Killington Perrin. Yeah, and it's kind of like when, you know, your dad catches you smoking a cigarette and then makes you smoke a whole carton. <laughs> but, but for torture. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, guys, stop burning these guys. This is how you do it. <laughs> he just, like, dials it up to 11. Right, yeah. He, he goes super dark. And starts chopping pieces off of the Aiel with his axe and then having them healed so they don't die. Mm. And then and then he adds the psychological element. He's like he reasons that they don't care about pain, but they care about shame. So he's like, if you don't tell me what I want to know, we'll chop off your arms and legs and then leave you in a town to beg for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Grim. And this this shocks everybody, including Masima. And uh, Perrin uses his smell of vision to think, like, he walks in there and Masima, like, Masima smells super crazy and, like, he hates me. And then he walks out, he's like, Masima smells super crazy and, like, he hates me, but also he's shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little impressed. (laughs) Yeah. And he he stalks off into the forest for a good sulk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, has a little uh, chat with Elias and uh, throws away the axe. Yeah, he leaves his axe in the woods, huh? Yeah, that that's a Master Luhan original. Come on. I mean, yeah, at least at least, you know, gift it to somebody, sell it. I don't know, man. Put it on a put it on a shelf and be like, oh, I hope I never have to use that again. I don't know. It's yeah. just leaving it in the tree there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like he's kind of turned a turned a page here and gone a little too far. Yeah, I Which part? Leaving the axe behind or cutting off people's hands? Uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're cutting off people's hands, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking leaving the axe behind is a little too far, but you know. I think that's what's going on here. I think that, that Perrin is kind of going around the bend. I guess this is what we're supposed to take it that this is why he needs Fail to keep him from going super dark. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. He just needs somebody to emotionally abuse him to keep him in line. Uh, emotionally and physically, <laughs> hold on. She do- does punch him in the gut and like no. scratch him and but stuff. That's, too. But he's so much bigger yeah. than her. That's just funny. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm joking. I'm I'm joking to our listeners. (laughs) Yeah. He has a nice chat with Elias, who is out there. 
which is this kind of an interesting thing. They, he talks about how Perrin feels bad because he actually feels pretty good when he's fighting. And Elias is like, that's not the same as enjoying killing, which is what he's always cautioning against. Yeah. Right. And this is something, uh, you know, I've never been in combat, but that's something that a lot of people who are in combat say is that you never, there's nothing quite like it. And it, it completely focuses you in a way that you rarely ever do in life. I think I, I think I'm good though. You know, like <laughs> I know that they, they make it sound really nice, but like if I had to pick like hanging out, taking a nap at my house or going and fighting in a war where you could die at any moment, I think I just picked a nap. That's me, you know? Yeah, true. Uh, I, I pick podcasting over war. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a podcaster, not a fighter. <laughs> so they head back to camp. The Shido did talk. Uh, Perrin's, uh, dismemberment plus embarrassment plan uh, has been effective, uh, but didn't give them really well, any info, right? Yeah, I was going to say, it, it wasn't exactly effective. He, he basically said, you know, you're not going to get anything else. I'll just tell you what you want to hear, which I was wondering if that was like one of those things where Robert Jordan was inserting his opinions about torture as being like marginally effective or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. Not that great. So anyway, three days pass, and then Balware returns with Talonvor. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> There's this really funny moment where uh, Balwar brings him up, and Perrin's like, "Oh, Talonvor," and ba- you know, Talonvor's got like this beard, and he looks like all haggard and stuff, so like unrecognizable. But Perrin knows him by smell, so Balwar is like totally taken aback when Perrin immediately recognizes him. <laughs> He's like, "I got the impression he wanted to surprise me." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I love the relationship between Perrin and Balwar. Me too. So, so Talonvor has a lead on an army of Shanshan with Domine. So speaking of Perrin going dark, if he teams up with the slavers, <laughs> that will be bad. Yeah. Perrin's <laughs> like, I'm a torturer now, so I guess slavers are cool too. Yeah. And it definitely seems like this is going to jack up Perrin's body count. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to I got to say, though, obviously the Shanshan are you know, great fighters and everything, but they aren't like the shy, the number of Shido here still vastly outnumbers them. Right. Yeah. And also the Shido have more channelers. So it's not like the Demani are, are like a huge edge either. Like the, the Shido have like 400 channelers where the Shanshan have like a dozen. But the wise ones don't fight with the power. Is that right? They can. They can. Yeah. They're allowed to. But I thought they, they don't take part in wars usually. So it's, it's unusual. They, they they do it only against Shadowspawn, right? That's a good not, point. Not as like yeah, an they, oath they, or anything. It's just they sort of have a privileged position. That's a good point. Yeah. So maybe so maybe they wouldn't be uh, as useful in combat. Obviously, the, the Shan Chan's uh, channelers are battle mages. Like they're they're yeah. trained and yeah. honed for combat. And so some channelers better. are better than none channelers. That is true. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this I think we all agree that this dark turn for Perrin is something that we don't like. No. Not my preference. No. I don't like emo Perrin. I don't think he makes a good emo, to be honest. I think Matt makes a pretty good emo. (laughs) Back when he had his dagger? Yeah, right? I mean, that's pretty cool. But, like, Perrin just takes it too far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Cutting off people's hands and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 I wonder if this is this is the argument for Fail is if you don't have Fail, this is what you get out of Perrin. So it's better to have to deal with Fail and get good Perrin than no Fail and shitty Perrin. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. So 
Chapter 28, A Cluster of Rosebuds, Icon of the Dice. Yeah, so, because we don't get any pay, payoff we, in this book at all. We pivot to a different character after Perrin makes a big decision. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wonder what will happen two books from now because of that. Yeah. So Matt is traveling with the circus in the rain, and it's slow yeah, and miserable. a really going. unpleasant time. Yeah. I, I bet he wishes he could teleport like literally every other member of the starting lineup because if you think about it, he's the only one who's t- who can't do this now, right? That's true. I mean, he would be there right now. He keeps talking about uh-huh. how he wants to kick back at an inn and just, you know, drink some ale and throw some dice. And he would be doing that already. Uh-huh. Yeah. Perrin's got a, a pet, Ashaman, Nynaeve, Egwene. They can both teleport on their own now. Obviously, Rand can. So, yeah, it's really just Matt is, is stuck hoofing, hoofing it. Because I guess <laughs> Rand never cared enough to send him an Ashaman. <laughs> it's true. Well, no, no, because didn't he, he, he gated him there to Saladar originally, but he didn't send an Ashaman with him. Uh-huh, that's right. Well, did he have, I don't remember, did he have all the Ashaman at that point, or was that pre-Ashaman when he last saw Oh, him? you know, maybe you're right, yeah. Either way, he could have mailed him one. So, anyway, as they travel, um, miserably, the Aes Sedai and Suldam are kind of bickering with each other and also spying as they go. There's this moment where uh, Noel is like walking with him and then he's like, oh, I'm going to go check on those Aes Sedai. And then Noel disappears. Probably just a coincidence, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This I mean, we've mentioned that Noel's a little sketchy, but I would go as so yeah. far as to say a lot sketchy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like, I don't know. I don't know what we're building up to here. I, I don't think we have any uh, forsaken that are unaccounted for. But like, I was like, I mean, who is this guy? I guess they're forsaken with like. Two teeth and a bunch of broken fingers. <laughs> I, I was wondering if he might be that beggar king or what? Not the, or what do they call him? The that one dude who's like a dark friend beggar. I don't know. I was what? That was that was like two cities ago, right? I know that was a long time ago, but it could it be that guy? I have no idea. Yeah, I was racking my brain. Who could this guy be? I don't know. Yeah. So the the news from the Aes Sedai is basically that the Shan Shan are moving towards Ilion. They seem to be where they're campaigning next. And yeah. Tom and Julian are spying too, which who, who Matt trusts a whole lot more. So I guess we can kind of see from this why Rand has moved the Shanshin up to the top of his list. Because at this point, they're attacking Tyr. They're about to attack Ilian. Like, they're they're basically taking dragon territory at this point. Yeah. And this is, I assume he's getting resources from these territories that he's using. So this is a big problem for him. Yeah. And I'm starting to get uncomfortable with... Amathira's relationship with Juelin. Yeah, it's gross, right? She's very, um, I don't know. She's still dealing, right? With having been captive for so long. Yeah, yeah she's clearly in like a, a PTSD situation, right? Like she, she they, they mentioned how she's still, if there's a Shanshan, she flinches or reacts. And, and Matt is not convinced that if Shanshan gives her an order, she won't just do it because she's been... She's been tortured and conditioned by the Shan Shan slavers. Like she's not, she's not in a healthy state of mind right now. Yeah. And Julian's just like, oh, cool. She's really into me. Right. Yeah. This. I mean, she. At one point, Julian is sitting on a stool, and she's like kneeling next to the stool, resting her head in his lap. Yeah, that was uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And she, which is kind of, I mean, it does not feel like this is a peer to peer relationship going on right here. And I, I. And she used to be a queen. So Right, yeah. She was a slave for a while, but not that long. Like, less than a year, I think. 
Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's it, it's hard to gauge time in these books because they jump around so much. But it, it could be a short amount of time. But I, I still buy it because of the way that Sean Chen breaks someone so thoroughly before they sure, put yeah. in service. And she was and she was one of those like sheer clothing like high lord slaves that literally does everything, you know. Yeah, and I, I just wonder, you know, it just not seem it does not seem like she's ready to be in a relationship right here. I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, when Matt uh expresses his discomfort or just his distrust of her, uh Noel suggests killing her. <laughs> I know. He's like there's one there's one way to make sure that she never talks. Yeah. And that's like maybe not that. WTF no. <laughs> like what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Noel's like, Noel's like, it's an open offer, man. You know, take it or leave it. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you don't want to, so I won't. In that case, I won't. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what? Who the hell is this I guy? I don't know. I don't know. Makes me very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. There's also a funny bit in here about uh, Bale Domon and Matt flipping for the bed, the spare bed yeah. to sleep on. <laughs> Matt <laughs> keeps winning. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's like, uh, and I think he even says, like, he he didn't even offer the coin flip. Bill Dillman, like, kind of insisted on it. But <laughs> yeah. But Matt's like, all right, man. <laughs> yeah, okay, no problem. Man, sometimes it's nice to be Matt. Yeah, that's right. So then then at this point, Matt's going to try and smooth things over with Tuan. And he, th- this is actually when it's yep. during that coin flipping situation where he talks to Aganen, right? Yeah, he, he, he enlists Aganen to come meet Tuan with him. Because he's he's starting a campaign with Tuan as the objective. Yeah, uh, it's funny when he gets there, he finds Nolan there talking about Shara like in detail, right? Yeah, like and Matt's like, oh, pfft, he's just making stuff up. But then Noel like starts quoting some prophecy from the prophecies of the dragon uh, with a verse that's like so clearly about Matt. S- yeah, super super <laughs> obvious. That it's it's almost like it should have been like he will be from the place with more than one but fewer than three rivers and his name will rhyme with <laughs> Cat Mothon. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt's just like, wow, beggars beggars sure are well read these days. Yeah, <laughs> I like the way that Matt approaches this campaign with against Tuon. You know, like it's a like it's a battle, which is totally different from how Matt usually thinks about women. And I. I got to be honest, it seems like it's working out pretty well for him. Yeah. Like maybe take the relationship seriously and and and, and pay, re- uh, you know, and be respectful, you know, uh, of the other person as though they're your peer. That might work. They're not just like, I'm going to give him that smile that my mom always hated. <laughs> <laughs> Which has literally never worked for me ever with a woman ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't exactly know why he's doing this. Because uh, I, th- he, I do. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't he, want to marry Tuan. So why is he? He apparently trying to woo her. He's resigned himself to it. Like, like for whatever reason, I, I I'm not sure it makes necessarily entirely makes sense for his character the way he is so incredibly stubborn sometimes. But I think as far as his character is concerned, he's he's resigned himself to this fact. So he's got to he's got to get himself in the best position possible, which means making her not hate him, you know, since he's going to have to marry her. Yeah. I think that, that's my impression. Yeah, I'm just not used to Matt being so reasonable. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> it's like I said, it's a little out of character for him. Yeah. His first Sally with a and at his side goes very badly. <laughs> yeah. So she just like, like again and loses her rank, right? Like she loses her name. Yeah, what yeah. all was happening? I did not entirely understand this. 
it's so when the Shan Chan get promoted to the the blood, they get a new name. That's mm-hmm. like a deal. Right. So again, and when again and became again and whatever her new last name was, she was she was like written down in the book of the Shan Chan as royalty at that point. Right. Yeah. So Tuan has just decided like on the spot. You're not royalty anymore because she can do that, you know. Sure, but yeah. what? But what did that have to do with Matt and the jewelry? It was, it was honestly, the my impression is that the Shanchen, especially in the high blood like Tuan, do these things on a whim. Okay. So, so Matt pissed her off, so she ruined a Gaiden's life. Is wow. essentially what happened. Yeah. She like knocked her down to a, a slave again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but again, again it's not, shipless. Only in their heads, because they're not going back to Shanshan, right? Well, again, and takes it pretty seriously. She does, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, that's that's her Shanshan training. So she And Tuan's the highest ranking Shanshan there, right? So kind of what she says goes. Like the highest ranking Shanshan in this country, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if Tuan does ever make it home, then yeah, again, it's fucked. Oh, so this... This explains something I didn't understand that happens later, where Aganon is kind of avoiding Bail Domon. And I think that's because yes. Aganon now knows that she's been demoted, and so she can't own Bail Domon anymore. Which I'm that's sure right. Domon would probably be okay with. It's just that in Aganon's head, like, she can't, they can't be in a relationship anymore or something like that. Something crazy like that. No, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I didn't catch that, but I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, bad move, Matt. And I like there's there's one line in here that I wrote down because I really liked it where Matt thinks or, or from Matt's perspective, he hated battle too. a man could get killed dead, but it was better than work. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Is it though? Is it though? Matt? <laughs> yeah, Matt. Matt makes bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So so they, they spend a lot of time playing stones and they go for some walks and Matt's Matt like, applies the truest way to a woman's heart board games. <laughs> uh, this is, I mean, it's beautiful, right? Like the uh, tale as old as time, <laughs> bonding over board games. Yeah, I I love that when they're on this walk, they're going for walk walks. Matt's like making conversation. She's like, and he's like, so what do you do for fun? And she's like, slavery. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yikes! Yeah, she, she says, she says like, oh, slavery and horses. And he's like, oh yeah, tell me about the horses. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, this is this is so bad. I mean, I, I okay. To be fair, among the relationships that Robert Jordan sets up, this is probably the least abusive, the most egalitarian, like main character relationship we've seen. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, well, they bond as as, over stones, right? The the yeah. I assume it's like Go, you know the yeah, I think so. The board game that's you know it's a real it's a real intellectual pursuit, and they compete with each other and and. Uh, he he kind of earns her respect, but because you know he's a really good tactician, right? And strategist. Yeah. And 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 likewise, I mean, he he's he's he goes into it initially thinking, oh, I wonder if I should let her win or not. And she's like, she kicks his ass, and he's like, oh, okay, she's actually pretty good at this, you know? Yeah. So it's it it is it is very much like a, a, a meeting is equals thing, which doesn't isn't normally how these things get set up, from what we've seen. Yeah. So I like I like that part of it. I just wish he wasn't a Sean Chan. And he is actually kind of into her physically, which is nice, you know, because previously he kept thinking, like, well, her boobs aren't big enough for me. <laughs> That's right. She's growing on him. Yeah. Then, uh, so, that yeah, they've been going on nighttime walks together and, and you know, tale as old as time, right? Mm-hmm. 
Except she's still calling him toy. Oh yeah, there is that. That's not good. Yeah, there is that. E- good even point. after he explicitly uh, asked her to, you know, call him Matt, over and over again. Yeah, he's yes. asking her. Hey, hey, my name's Matt. It's not hard to remember. Same, same number of letters as toy. If you think about it, yeah, whatever toy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's not completely non-toxic. <laughs> okay, there's that. That's a good point. <laughs> but then finally, again, includes him in on why Tuan has been acting so funny around him is because of the Shan Chan marriage custom involves the one person saying that they're married three times and the other person also saying it with witnesses. Sure. Even if they're not in the same place and they're far apart. Yeah. And apparently and that's like, yeah, Matt's already said it three times. So he's half, he's half married to Tuan already. Right. So at any moment she we- can finish the, the marriage. And I and I I hope this isn't the way it's going to go, but I have this feeling that this is going to be set up as like another power struggle where Tuan is just like dangling the last, uh, the last vow over his head or something like that. Really? Because I was kind of hoping it was going to be like a Beetlejuice situation where she says it two times <laughs> and then he's like trying to stop her from saying it a third time. <laughs> or maybe she forgets and accidentally says it three times. She's like, "Shit, no, oh, man." Yeah. That, but yeah, interesting. But yeah, my prediction is that she is going to say this to save his life at some point. Mm, maybe maybe and then and apparently it has to be within a year and a day i think is what they say right yeah this is a dumb marriage custom and i don't care <laughs> if that's disrespectful to the shan shan because screw them they're slavers <laughs> i'm right there with you yeah fuck the shan shan and then but then as they're passing through a heavily guarded area tuan passes up a golden opportunity to escape mm-hmm when they're surrounded yeah. by Shan Chan and there's nothing Matt could do about it. Mm-hmm. And and this is, yeah, they're, they're at like a crossing that's crawling with them and she just does nothing, which at that point, Matt's like, oh, I'm really hosed. She's, she's, she's after me now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is romantic. And then she makes a, she makes a request. Right. Which we don't find out what it is right now, but it's, it's a request that's related to something he offered a long time ago. Yeah. Probably a date. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he agrees to it, and that makes the dice stop in his head because they've been rolling. Yep. Whoops. So we got another question from Jan Sala on Twitter, and it's another good one. So how about this? The The relationships in these books are kind of toxic, right? They do not hold up well. So how would you remix the pairings to be less toxic? Oh, interesting. Right? Like, that'd be Perrin and Fael are the obvious ones because we were just talking about them. Who would be better for Perrin? That's a good question. So, so this is tricky because, in some ways, the toxicity is like centered around one person, but not always. In Perrin's case, I would say that Fael is the, like, I feel like Perrin's generally fine as a, as a romantic partner, and Fael just like kind of, beats him up and takes advantage of him. So I, I'm not, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not sure who I'd give Fael to, to make that an okay relationship, <laughs> oh. but uh, uh, Elias, right. Didn't he say like, man, I, I love to porks all day in women. That might be a good, that may be a good match, but okay. Yeah, I just so thought Elias, okay. for Perrin, Barrelane, right. I mean, if it weren't for Fael, I think that relationship would be just fine. Like, 
I don't know. I think he needs I, somebody I who's kind of sweet and kind of dumb, just like him. Uh, see, I like I, I like the opposites element of Perrin and Barrelane because mm-hmm. you know she's she's this extremely like clever and refined and powerful person, uh, but she's almost too devious for her own good, right? She gets she she goes too far sometimes, and he's like simple and solid and and has like some kind of like country wisdom that she she sometimes lacks. I don't know. You know I think Berlaine would be bored by him. I don't think it would actually huh. be a good match. I think she just likes the chase and especially chasing after something that belongs to someone else. Ah, uh, sure. That that is very possible, but I I will say and and again this doesn't really answer Alice's concern because I I think it's po- very possible that Berlaine would be bored with him, but for what it's worth, Perrin the thing that Fayel does for Perrin that is good is that she kind of coaches him on leadership. He's been thrust into this position where he's like, he's basically got to be a Lord and he doesn't really like do the Lord things. And Fayel's like, here's how you do the Lord things, dummy. You know, I think Berylaine could do that. She, she's, uh, as we've seen, she's an excellent administrator. She can run a country like nothing else. She would be a great, she would be a great, uh, asset to him if she didn't get bored with him, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, there is that. Uh, all right. So who else do we want to do? We want to do, uh, Let's see. Well, okay, the, I mean, the other toxic. I mean, I don't know if this is a toxic relationship, but what about Nynaeve and Lan? I have no problem with that relationship. I think it's great. Really? Uh you know what? I'm. I think I'm okay with it. Like, like Nynaeve and Lan. Nynaeve is tough. Like, she's a tough customer, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know if anyone but Lan could handle Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. Let me put it this way. I'm not worried about Lan. When he's in his this relationship with Nynaeve, but I'm not sure I could say that about any other man in this book, you know, like huh. or in these books, like Nynaeve would steamroll pretty much anyone else, but Lan is unsteamrollable. He is, uh, <laughs> he is a craggy, impervious, bluff cliff face, and she can just uh, run up against him all day. And sometimes she does run up, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Well, I think, I think it I works because he steps back and lets her do her thing, which I think is a very good thing. That is a good point. Uh, so, yeah, I'm actually I'm pretty OK with Nine Even Land uh, as far as that goes, which let's see. So we've got Egwene and uh, Gwen, right? Yeah. I mean, I do mean- we? I, I I think they're all right together, to be honest. It's hard to say. They spend they have spent so little time actually talking to each other that it is impossible to say. Right now, the majority of their time has been spent making out, and it seems like that works great. So you know, good, <laughs> good for them. Get it when you can get it, you know. Uh, what about let's see the other? So there's I would say Rand and Avienda. Yeah. So Rand and Avienda is a, is a pretty tricky one i i, I kind of hated that relationship from the beginning uh personally but let's see is that centered around avienda or centered around rand or both i don't think either of them should be with anybody you think they should both uh, both be single yeah i think rand has too much on his plate right now and i don't think avienda wants to be in a relationship at all i think she was kind of forced into it through circumstances in a way that was uncomfortable yeah she just wanted to be a maiden yeah but she fell in love with him, and I mean, I mean, for whatever that means. Did she? Yeah, she 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 has been very vocal about it. How she hates it and really irritates her, but she's in love with stupid Rand. Like yeah, that's well, that's the thing that she talks you, about she's, a lot. She's still young, and young people sometimes mistake 
inescapability for love. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, and, and it could also be that, you know, she got looped into that Taverin trap. So, Alice, you don't think anybody would be a good pairing with Rand in this situation? Not where he's at right now. Like, he's, you know, maybe he's not going crazy anymore, but he still has loose there and hanging out in his head and... He has the whole end of the world to deal with. So, yeah, I don't think he needs to be in a relationship right now. I mean, I think he had, he and Min do all right. Yeah, um, they're fine. As far as how they are for each other. They're, they don't seem like they, they're too harmful to each other in, in their interactions. Although Min really had to lean in hard to get Rand to wrap his uh, brain around what was going on there. <laughs> well, and, like he's it's it's hard to think of a relationship when one of the people basically has like godlike powers and the other one doesn't. Like I think it works for Lan and Nynaeve because Lan has is such a strong established person in his own right, but when you're talking about like Rand and an 18-year-old, it doesn't make as much sense to me. I, I don't know if I agree with like I, I I definitely agree with like the sentiment, but I don't think that Min is as I, I think she has strengths in her own right. Like she has this 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 prophecy power that nobody else has. She's That's got a, true. a unique a unique talent that is incredibly valuable to Rand. Like that you know, he he relies on her a lot. And uh she definitely she doesn't seem despite the fact that he has godlike power, she doesn't seem to like bow to him in that in that way you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like she sees him as like a godlike figure so who then would make a good pairing up with matt because it doesn't seem to be too on honestly (laughs) oh birgitta yeah birgitta and matt that's the stuff right there yeah Uh oh yeah you're so right so good Uh, he's too pretty for her yeah, I mean, like they're never gonna they're never gonna be like romantic. But I, I, as I mentioned before, I would wa- I would read like a whole book about them going off on adventures together. Matt and Brigida like carousing in bars and like right. you know getting up to trouble. Speaking the old like, tongue. Oh, they'd be so. <laughs> yeah, speaking the old tongue at each other. They would, uh, whether they were romantic or not, they would have a great relationship hanging out together. Yeah, that would be pretty good. Uh, and and then of course uh, Elaine. Um, Elaine and Rand, Rand Elaine. I mean, I, I I will say that I I still think that Elaine, in the same way that Fayil helps Perrin with this idea of like leadership, I think Elaine helps Rand with leadership in the same way because she was, you know, groomed to be the queen of of Andor. She has all these all this knowledge and all these skills in, in, in like statesman statescraft or whatever that the Rand really benefits from. Uh, so I think that there is a positive thing there, but their whole, like we don't talk to each other. So we don't know if we love each other or hate each other thing makes me crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, when, I think that's a really when, good point about how she has a lot to offer Rand but if you look at it the other way around, I think she needs somebody who's going to play a supporting role for her um, as she's trying to get the kingdom or queendom for herself. Yeah. I was just thinking that's the, the what we kept seeing in her chapter is I kept saying, well, why didn't she just get her boyfriend's army of super soldiers to solve this problem for her? And it's because she's in a situation where she needs to be with somebody that's not stronger than her. Because she's she wants to be a queen, she, and in order to do what she wants to do, what she feels she was born to do, 
she needs somebody that can help her and Rand can't help her because of his, his position. Mm-hmm. What she really needs is a, uh, what's it? Her, her mom had, uh, what's his name? The general, right? Gareth Brine. She needs her own Gareth Brine, not Gareth Brine, obviously, because he's like 80 or whatever, but, but like mm-hmm. a young Gareth Brine, mm-hmm. a guy Agreed. who can like run the, sh- run the, the low, run the armies for her. Cause that's not her expertise. Yeah. She's not a general, you know, she needs a general. Oh, so somebody like uh, Dolan Miller? <laughs> Maybe not that guy. <laughs> Maybe not a dark friend, rapey weirdo. Yeah. And I'm not sure that guy's actually all that useful. Like, he's a pretty good fighter, but, like, is he? I'm not sure he's actually all that useful, yeah. you know? That's true. All right. Well, thank you, Jan Sala, for that question. That was fun. So that's it for this episode of The Dragon Reread. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 29 through the end of Crossroads of Twilight. I am Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter and Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. And please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illuminates you. you.